Chapter Twenty Eight of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Think not my magic wonders wrought by aid of Stygian angels summoned up from hell. Scorned and accursed be those who have essayed her gloomy dives and affrights to compel. But by perception of the secret powers of mineral springs in nature's inmost cell, of herbs and curtain of her greenest bowers and of the moving stars o'er mountain-tops and towers. Whiffen's translation of Tasso. "'You are safe here, young Englishman,' said Zanoni, motioning Glyndon to a seat. "'Fortunate for you, I come on your track at last.' "'Far happier had it been if we had never met. Yet even in these last hours of my fate, I rejoice to look once more upon the face of that ominous and mysterious being, whom I can ascribe all the sufferings I have known. Here, then, thou shalt not platter or elude me here before we part thou shalt unravel to me the dark enigma if not of thy life of my own hast thou suffered poor neophyte said zanoni pityingly yes i see it on thy brow but wherefore wouldst thou blame me did i not warn thee against the whispers of thy spirit did i not warn thee to forbear did i not tell thee that the ordeal was one of awful hazard and tremendous fears nay did i not offer to resign to thee the heart that was mighty enough while mine glyndon to content me was it not thine own daring and resolute choice to brave the initiation of thine own free will didst thou make mejnor thy master and his lore thy study but whence came the irresistible desires of that wild and unholy knowledge i knew them not till thine evil eye fell upon me and i was drawn into the magic atmosphere of thy being thou errest the desires were in thee and whether in one direction or the other would have forced their way man thou askest me the enigma of thy fate and my own look round all being is there not mystery everywhere can thine eyes trace the ripening of the grain beneath the earth in the moral and physical world alike lie dark portents far more wondrous than the powers thou wouldst ascribe to me dost thou disown those powers dost thou confess thyself an impostor or wilt thou dare to tell me that thou art indeed sold to the evil one the magician whose familiar has haunted me day and night it matters not what i am returns zanoni it matters only whether i can aid thee to exercise thy dismal phantom and return once more to the wholesome air of this common life something however i will tell thee not to vindicate myself but the heaven and the nature of thy doubts malign zanoni paused for a moment and resumed with a slight smile in thy younger days thou hast doubtless read with delight the great christian poet whose muse like the morning it celebrated came to earth crowned with the flowers culled in paradise no spirit was more imbued with the nightly superstitions of the time and surely the poet of jerusalem hath sufficiently to satisfy even the inquisitor he consulted execrated all the practitioners of the unlawful spells invoked but in his sorrows and his wrongs in the prison of his madhouse know you not that tasso himself found solace his escape in the recognition of a holy and spiritual thurgia of a magic that could summon the angel or the good genius not the fiend and do you not remember how he deeply versed as he was for his age in the mysteries of the nobler platonism which hints at all the secrets of the starry brotherhoods from the chaldean to the latter rosicrucians discriminates his lovely verse between the black art of ismeno and the glorious lore of the enchanter who counsels and guides upon their errand the champions of the holy land his not the charms wrought by the aid of the stygian rebels command him to lay aside these sublime studies no 
but to cherish and direct them to worthy ends and in this grand conception of the poet lies the secret of the true theurgia which startles your ignorance in a more learned day with the puerile apprehensions and the nightmares of a sick man's dreams again zanoni paused and again resumed in ages far remote of a civilization far different from that which now emerges the individual in state there existed men of ardent minds and an intense desire of knowledge in the mighty and solemn kingdoms in which they dwelt there were no turbulent and earthly channels to work off the fever of their minds set in the antique mould of castes through which no intellect could pierce no valour could force its way the thirst for wisdom alone reigned in the hearts of those who received its study as a heritage from sire to son hence even in your imperfect records of progress of human knowledge you find that in the earliest ages philosophy descended not to the business and homes of men it dwelt amidst the wonders of the loftier creation it sought to analyze the formation of matter the essentials of the prevailing soul to read the mysteries of the starry orbs to dive into those depths of nature which zoroaster is said by the schoolmen first to have discovered in the arts which are ignorance classes under the name of magic in such an age when rose some men who amidst the vanities and delusions of their class imagined that they detected gleams of a brighter and steadier lore they fancied an affinity existing among all the works of nature and in that lowliest lay the secret attraction that might conduct them upward to the loftiest centuries passed and the lives were wasted in these discoveries but step after step was chronicled and marked and became the guide to the few who alone who had the hereditary privilege to track their path at last from this dimness upon some eyes the light broke but think not young visionary that to those who nursed unholy thoughts over whom the origin of evil held a sway that dawning was vouchsafed it could be given then as now only the purest ecstasies of imagination and intellect undistracted by the cares of a vulgar life or the appetites of the common clay far from descending to the assistance of a fiend theirs was but the august ambition to approach nearer to the fount of good and the more they emancipated themselves from this limbo of the planets the more they were penetrated by the splendour and beneficence of god and if they sought and at last discovered how to the eye of the spirit all the subtler modifications of being and matter might be made apparent if they discovered how for the wings of the spirit all space might be annihilated and while the body stood heavy and solid here as a deserted tomb the freed idea might wander from star to star if such discoveries became in truth their own the sublimest luxury of their knowledge was but this to wonder to venerate and adore for as one not unlearned in these high matters has expressed it there is a principle of the soul superior to all external nature and through this principle we are capable of surpassing the order and systems of the world and participating the immortal life and the energy of the sublime celestials when the soul is elevated to natures above itself it deserts the order to which it was a while compelled and by a religious magnetism is attracted to another and a loftier with which it blends and mingles grant then that such beings found at last the secret to arrest death to fascinate danger and the foe to walk the revolutions of the earth unharmed think you that this life could teach them other desire than to yearn the more for the immortal and to fit their intellect the better for the higher being to which they might then time and death exist no longer be transferred 
and with your gloomy fantasies of sorcerer and demon the soul can aspire only to the light and even the error of our lofty knowledge but the forgiveness of the weakness the passions the bonds which death we so vainly conquered only can purge away this address was so different from what glyndon had anticipated that he remained for some moments speechless and at length faltered out but why then to me why added zanoni why to thee have been only the penance and the terror the threshold and the phantom vain man look to the commonest elements of the common learning can every tyro at his mere wish and will become the master can the student when he has bought his euclid become a newton can the youth whom the muses haunt say i will equal homer yea cannot yon pale tyrant with all the parchment laws of a hundred system shapers and the pikes of his dauntless multitude carve at his will a constitution not more vicious than the one which the madness of a mob could overthrow when in that far time to which i have referred the student aspired to the heights to which thou wouldst have sprung in a single bound he was trained from his very cradle to the career he was to run the internal and the outward nature were made clear to his eyes year after year as they opened on the day he was not admitted to the practical initiation till not one earthly wish chained that sublimest faculty which you call the imagination one carnal desire clouded the penetrative essence that you call the intellect and even then and at the best how few attained to the last mystery happier inasmuch as they were attained the earlier holy glories for which death is the heavenliest gate zanoni paused and a shade of thought and sorrow darkened his celestial beauty and are there indeed others besides thee and Mejnour, who claim to thine attributes and have attained to thy secrets others there have been before us but we two now are alone on earth impostor thou betrayest thyself if they could conquer death why live they not yet child of a day answered zanoni mournfully have i not told thee the error of our knowledge was the forgetfulness of the desires and passions which the spirit never can wholly and permanently conquer while this matter cloaks it canst thou think that it is no sorrow either to reject all human ties all friendship and all love or to see day after day friendship and love wither from our life as blossoms from the stem canst thou wonder how with the power to live while the world shall last ere even our ordinary date be finished yet we may prefer to die wonder rather that there are two who have clung so faithfully to the earth me i confess that earth can enamour yet attaining to the last secret while youth was in its bloom youth still colours all round me with its luxuriant beauty to me yet to breathe is to enjoy the freshness has not faded from the face of nature and not an herb in which i cannot discover a new charm and undetected wonder as with my youth so with mejnour's age he will tell you that life to him is but a power to examine and not till he has exhausted all the marvels which the creator has sown on earth would he desire new habitations for the renewed spirit to explore we are the types of two essences of what is perishable art that enjoys and science that contemplates and now that thou mayest be contented that the secrets are not vouchsafed to thee learn that so utterly must the idea detach itself from what makes up the occupation and excitement of men so must it be void of whatever would covet or love or hate that for the ambitious man for the lover the hater the power avails not and i at last 
bound and blinded by the most common of household ties i darkened and helpless adjure thee and baffled the discontented i adjure thee to direct to guide me where are they oh tell me speak my wife my child silent oh thou knowest now that i am no sorcerer no enemy i cannot give thee what thy faculties deny i cannot achieve what the passionless mejnour failed to accomplish but i can give thee the next boon perhaps the fairest i can reconcile thee to the daily world and place peace between thy consciousness and thyself wilt thou promise by their sweet lives i promise glyndon looked and believed he whispered the address to the house whither his fatal step already had brought woe and doom bless me for this exclaimed zanoni passionately and thou shalt be blessed what couldst thou not perceive that at the entrance to all the grander worlds dwell the race that intimidate and awe who in thy daily world ever left the old regions of custom and prescription and felt not the first seizure of the shapeless and nameless fear everywhere round thee where men aspire and labor though they see not in the closest of the sage in the council of the demagogue in the camp of the warrior everywhere cowers and darkness the unutterable horror but there where thou hast ventured alone is the phantom visible and never will it cease to haunt till it can pass to the infinite as the seraph or return to the familiar as a child but answer me this when seeking to adhere to some calm resolve of virtue the phantom hath stalked suddenly to thy side when its voice hath whispered thee despair and in its ghastly eyes would scare thee back to those scenes of earthly craft or riotous excitement from which as it leaves thee to worse foes to the soul and its presence is ever absent hast thou never bravely resisted the spectre and thine own horror hast thou never said come what may to virtue i will cling alas answered glyndon only of late i dared to do so and thou hast felt then that the phantom grew more dim and its power more faint it is true reject then thou hast overcome the true terror and mystery of the ordeal resolve is the first success rejoice for the exorcism is sure thou art not of those who denying a life to come are the victims of the inexorable horror oh when shall men learn at last that if the great religion inculates so rigidly the necessity of faith it is not alone that faith leads to the world to be but that without faith there is no excellence in this faith in something wiser happier diviner than we see on earth the artist calls it the ideal the priest faith the ideal and faith are one and the same return o wanderer return feel what beauty and holiness dwell in the customary and the old back to thy gateway glide thou horror and calm on the childlike heart smile again o azure heaven with thy night and thy morning star but as one though under its double name of memory and hope as he thus spoke zanoni laid his hand gently on the burning temples of his excited and wondering listener and presently a short trance came over him he imagined that he was returned to the home of his infancy that he was in the small chamber where over his early slumbers his mother had watched and prayed there it was visible palpable solitary unaltered in the recess of the homely bed on the walls the shelves filled with holy books the very easel on which he had first sought to call the ideal to canvas dust covered broken in the corner below the window lay the old churchyard he saw it green in the distance the sun glancing through the yew trees 
he saw the tomb where father and mother lay united and the spire pointing up to heaven the symbol of hopes of those who consigned the ashes to the dust in his ear rang the bells pealing as on a sabbath day far fled all the visions of anxiety and awe that had haunted and convulsed youth boyhood childhood came back to him with innocent desires and hopes he thought he fell upon his knees to pray he woke he woke in delicious tears he felt that the phantom was fled forever he looked round zanoni was gone on the table lay these lines the ink yet wet i will find ways and means for thy escape at nightfall the clock strikes nine a boat shall wait thee on the river before this house the boatman will guide thee to a retreat where thou mayest rest in safety till the reign of terror which nears its close be past think no more of the sensual love that lured and well nigh lost thee it betrayed and would have destroyed thou wilt regain thy land in safety long years yet spared to thee to muse over the past and redeem it for thy future be thy dream thy guide and thy tears thy baptism the englishman obeyed the injunctions of the letter and found their truth why wonder that i have so many forms in a single body zanoni to mejnor she is in one of their prisons their inexorable prisons it is robespierre's order i have tracked the cause to glendon this then made that terrible connection between their fates which i could not unravel but which wrapped glendon himself in the same cloud that concealed her in prison in prison it is the gate of the grave her trial and the inevitable execution that follows such trial is the third day from this the tyrant has fixed all his schemes of slaughter for the tenth of termidor while the deaths of the unoffending strike awe to the city his satellites are to massacre his foes there is but one hope left that the power which now dooms the doomer may render me an instrument to expedite his fall but two days left two days in all my wealth of time i see but two days all beyond darkness solitude i may save her yet the tyrant shall fall the day before that which he has set apart for the slaughter for the first time i mix among the broils and stratagems of men and my mind leaps up from my despair armed and eager for the contest a crowd had gathered round the rue st honor a young man was just arrested by the order of robespierre he was known to be in the service of tallien that hostile leader in the convention whom the tyrant had hitherto trembled to attack this incident had therefore produced a greater excitement than a circumstance so customary as an arrest in the reign of terror might be supposed to create amongst the crowd were many friends of tallien many foes to the tyrant many weary of beholding the tiger dragging victim after victim to its den hoarse foreboding murmurs were heard fierce eyes glared upon the officers as they seized their prisoner and though they did not yet dare to openly resist those in the rear pressed on those behind and encumbered the path of the captive and his captors the young man struggled hard for escape and by a violent effort at last wrenched himself from the grasp the crowd made way and closed around to protect him as he dived and darted through their ranks but suddenly the trampling of horses was heard at hand the savage henroy his troop bearing down upon the mob the crowd gave way in alarm and the prisoner was again seized by one of the partisans of the dictator at that moment a voice whispered the prisoner thou hast a letter which if found on thee ruins thy last hope give it to me i will bear it to tallien the prisoner turned in amaze read something that encouraged him in the eyes of the stranger who thus accosted him the troop 
were now on the spot. The Jacobin, who had seized the prisoner, released hold of him for a moment to escape the hoofs of the horses. In that moment the opportunity was found. The stranger had disappeared. At the house of Tallien, the principal forces of the tyrant were assembled. Common danger made common fellowship. All factions laid aside their feuds for the hour to unite against the formidable man who was marching over all factions to his gory throne. There was bold Lecointre, the declared enemy, there, creeping Barre, who would reconcile all extremes, the hero of the cowards, Barras, calm and collected, Collet de Herbois, breathing wrath and vengeance, and seeing not that the crimes of Robespierre alone sheltered his own. The council was agitated and irresolute. The awe which the uniform success and the prodigious energy of Pierre excited still held the greater part under its control. Tallien, who the tyrant most feared, and who could alone give head and substance and direction to so many contradictory passions, was too sullied by the memory of his own cruelties not to feel embarrassed by his position as the champion of mercy. It is true, he said, after animating harangue from Lecointre, that the usurper menaces us all, but he is still so beloved by his mobs, still so supported by his Jacobin. Better delay the hostilities till the hour is more ripe. To attempt, and not to succeed, is to give us, bound hand and foot, to the guillotine. Every day his power must decline. Procrastination is our best ally. Yet while speaking, and while yet producing the effect of water on fire, it was announced that a stranger demanded to see him instantly on business that brooked no delay. "'I am not at leisure,' said the orator, impatiently. The servant placed a note on the table. Tallien opened it and found these words in pencil from the prison of Teresa de Fontenay. He turned pale, started up, and hastened to the anteroom, where he beheld a face entirely strange to him. "'Hope of France,' said the visitor to him, and the very sound of his voice went straight to the heart. "'Your servant is arrested in the streets. I have saved your life, and that of your wife who will be. I bring this letter to you, from Teresa de Fontenay.' Tallien, with a trembling hand, opened the letter and read. Am I forever to implore you in vain? Again and again I say, lose not an hour if you value my life and your own. My trial and death are fixed the third day from this, the tenth Thermidor. Strike while it is yet time. Strike the monster. You have two days yet. If you fail, if you procrastinate, see me for the last time as I pass your windows to the guillotine. Her trial will give proof against you, said the stranger. Her death is the herald of your own. Fear not the populace. The populace would have rescued your servant. Fear not Robespierre. He gives himself to your hands. Tomorrow he comes to the convention. Tomorrow you must cast the last throw for his head or your own. Tomorrow he comes to the convention. And who are you that know so well what is concealed from me? A man like you, who would save the woman he loves. Before Tallien could recover his surprise, the visitor was gone. Back went the avenger to his conclave and altered man. I have heard tidings, no matter what, he cried, that have changed my purpose. On the tenth we are destined to the guillotine. I revoke my counsel for delay. Robespierre comes to the convention to-morrow. There we must confront and crush him. The mountain shall frown against him, the grim shade of Danton, and the plain shall rise, in their bloody cerements, the spectres of Virginaud, Cordesay, Frappons, Frappons! cried even Barrera, startled into energy by the new daring of his colleague. 
Frappons. It was observable that, during that day and night, a stranger to all the previous events of that stormy time was seen in various parts of the city, in the cafés, the clubs, the haunts of the various factions, that to the astonishment and dismay of his hearers he talked aloud of the crimes of Robespierre, and predicted his coming fall, and as he spoke he stirred up the hearts of men, he loosened the bonds of fear, he inflamed them with unwanted rage and daring. But what surprised them most was that no voice replied, no hand was lifted against him, no minion, even of the tyrant, cried, Arrest the traitor! In that impunity men read, as in a book, that the populace had deserted the man of blood. Once only a fierce brawny Jacobin sprang up from the table at which he sat, drinking deep and approaching the stranger, said, I seize thee in the name of the Republic. Citizen Aristides, said the stranger in a whisper, go to the lodgings of Robespierre. He is from home, and in the left pocket of his vest, which he cast off, not an hour since, thou wilt find a paper. When thou hast read that, return. I await thee and if thou wouldst then seize me, I will go without a struggle. Look around on those lowering brows. Touch me now, and thou wilt be torn to pieces. The Jacobin felt as if compelled to obey against his will. He went forth muttering. He returned. The stranger was still there. Militonaries, he said to him, I thank thee. The poltroon had my name in his list for the guillotine. And with that, the Jacobin Aristides sprang up on the table and shouted, Death to the tyrant! The next day, 8th Thermidor, Robespierre resolved to deliver his celebrated discourse. The morning rose, the 8th of Thermidor, July 26th. Robespierre has gone to the convention. He has gone with his labored speech. He has gone with his phrases of philanthropy and virtue. He has gone to single out his prey. All his agents are prepared for his reception. The fierce Saint Just has arrived from the armies to second his courage and inflame his wrath. His ominous apparition prepares the audience for the crisis. Citizens, screeched the shrill voice of Robespierre, others have placed before you flattering pictures. I come to announce to you useful truths, and they attribute to me, to me alone, whatever of harsh or evil is committed. It is Robespierre who wishes it. It is Robespierre who ordains it. Is there a new tax? It is Robespierre who ruins you. They call me tyrant, and why? Because I have acquired some influence. But how? In speaking truth, and who pretends that truth is to be without force in the mouths of the representatives of the French people? Doubtless, truth has its power, its rage, its despotism, its accents, touching, terrible, which resound in the pure heart as in the guilty conscience, and which falsehood can no more imitate than solemnness could forge the thunderbolts of heaven. What am I whom they accuse? A slave of liberty, a living martyr of the Republic, the victim as the enemy of crime. All ruffianism affronts me, and actions legitimate in others are crimes in me. It is enough to know me to be culminated. It is my very zeal that they discover my guilt. Take from me my conscience, and I should be the most miserable of men. He paused and Couthon wiped his eyes, and St. Just murmured applause as with stern looks he gazed on the rebellious mountain. And there was a dead, mournful, and chilling silence through the audience. A touching sentiment woke no echo. The orator cast his eyes round. Ho! Oh, he will soon arouse that apathy. He proceeds, he praises, he pities himself no more. He denounces, he accuses. Overflooded with his venom, he vomits it forth on all. 
at home abroad finances war on all shriller and sharper rose his voice a conspiracy exists against the public liberty it owes its strength to the criminal coalition in the very bosom of the convention it has accomplices in the bosom of the committee of public safety what is the remedy to this evil to punish the traitors to purify this committee to crush all factions by the weight of the national authority to raise upon their ruins the power of liberty and justice such are the principles of that reform must i be ambitious to profess them then the principles are proscribed and tyranny reigns amongst us for what can you object to a man who is in the right and has at least this knowledge he knows how to die for his native land i am made to combat crime and not to govern it the time alas is not yet arrived when men of worth can serve with impunity their country so long as the knaves rule the defenders of liberty will only be the proscribed for two hours through that cold and gloomy audience shrilled the death speech in silence it began in silence it closed the enemies of the orator were afraid to express resentment they knew not yet the exact balance of power his partisans were afraid to approve they knew not whom of their own friends and relations the accusations were designed to single forth take care whispered each to each it is thou whom he threatens but silent through the audience it was at first well-nigh subdued there was still about this terrible man the spell of an overmastering will always though not what it is called a great orator resolute and sovereign in the use of words words seemed as things when uttered by one who with a nod moved the troops of henroyt and influenced the judgment of rene dumas the grim president of the tribunal le cointre of versailles rose and there was an anxious movement of attention for le cointre was one of the fiercest foes of the tyrant what was the dismay of the tallien faction what was the complacent smile of couthon when le cointre demanded only that the oration should be printed all seemed paralyzed at length bourbon de lois whose name was doubly marked in the blacklist of the dictator stalked to the tribune and moved the bold counter-resolution that the speech should be referred to the two committees whom at that very speech accused still no applause from the conspirators they sat torpid as frozen men the shrinking barrera ever on the prudent side looked round before he rose he rises and sides with le cointre then couthon seized the occasion and from his seat with a melodious voice sought to convert the crisis into a triumph he demanded not only that the harangue should be printed but sent to all the communes and all the armies it was necessary to soothe the wronged and ulcerated heart deputies the most faithful had been accused of shedding blood ah if he had contributed to the death of one innocent man he should immolate himself with grief beautiful tenderness and while he spoke he fondled the spaniel in his bosom bravo couthon robespierre triumphs the reign of terror shall endure the old submission settles dove-like back in the assembly they vote the printing of the death speech and its transmission to all the principalities from the benches of the mountain tallien alarmed dismayed impatient and indignant cast his gaze where sat the strangers admitted to hear the debates and suddenly he met the eyes of the unknown who had brought the letter from the teresa de fontenay the preceding day the eyes fascinated him as he gazed in after times he often said that their regard fixed earnest half reproachful and yet cheering and triumphant filled him with new life and courage 
They spoke to his heart as the trumpet speaks to the war-horse. He moved from his seat. He whispered with his allies. The spirit he had drawn in was contagious. The men whom Robespierre had denounced, and who saw the sword over their heads, woke from their torpid trance. Valier, Cambon, Belauverenis, Panis Amar, arose all at once, all at once demanded speech. Valier is first heard, the rest succeed. It burst forth, the mountain, with its fires and consuming lava. Float upon the flood they rush, in a legion of Ciceros, upon the startled Catiline. Robespierre falters, hesitates, would qualify, retract. They gather new courage from his new fears, they interrupt him, they drown his voice, they demand the reversal of the motion. Amar moves again that the speech be referred to the committees, to the committees, to his enemies, confusion and noise and clamour. Robespierre wraps himself in silent and superb disdain. Pale, defeated, but not yet destroyed, he stands, a storm in the midst of a storm. The motion is carried, all men foresee, that in defeat the dictator's downfall. A solitary cry rose from the galleries. It was caught up, it circled through the hall and audience. Down with the tyrant! Hurrah for the Republic! End of chapter 28 Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah, voiceover-solutions.com